York City. What's good? This is the Leaders Create Leaders podcast. Your blueprint on how to build a brand, lead a movement, and create a profitable, impact-driven business. On this podcast, we'll dive into my personal stories building two eight-figure businesses and my evolution turning heart-led leaders into conscious millionaires. I'm your host, Gerard Adams. Let's go. With another episode of Leaders Create Leaders, welcome back podcast. Um, I appreciate you guys for joining me uh, every single day here. Uh, And we have a really amazing, amazing guest. My man, John Henry's up in here. I'm so excited, guys. Uh, I'm gonna be bringing him on. He is a servant leader. I mean, this guy has served the community in the entrepreneurial community for as long as I can remember for me coming into the scene over the last five years. I have so much reverence for this man, for what he has done for our community in entrepreneur sense, for just also the minority community, the Latin community, African-American community. He has built a venture capital fund, co-founded it, raised over $40 million to help make diverse investments, over 17 investments. He's now a real estate developer creating generational wealth for his family and He's just, uh, he's unbelievable. I mean, we're talking Forbes 30 under 30, Inc. 30 under 30. So Tribe, I appreciate you guys all taking some time. Let's bring him on now. My man, yes. <laughs> Yo, bro. What's up, G? What's good, bro? Oh, man, so good to see you. My, doing, man? my, my Dominican brother over there. <laughs> I see you, man, looking more Dominican than ever. <laughs> like haircut, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, how's oh. that? are you in L.A. right now? I'm in Sedona, Arizona. Oh, dope, dope. Yeah. How's that? You're always in the uh, spaces, man. <laughs> oh, thanks, bro. Listen, you know me. I got to, it's just, it's part of me. I can't stay still. I got to keep it moving. It keeps my creative juices flowing. And, yeah. And it helps me to, to, with this entrepreneurial lifestyle, man, those ups and those downs. Yeah. Being able to be close to the land and, and exploring and the nature. It really always, man, it just brings me so many lessons and, and boost my, you know, just what I need from an inspirational standpoint to keep going no matter what, you know? Mm, I feel that, man. I feel that. I love it, bro. Thank you for the very warm welcome. And uh, I'm, yeah. I'm pumped, man. It's actually been a little while since we caught up, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man, it's been, I, bro, I, I love just seeing your journey. Even when you like, because you're so real and so authentic that like even when you pull back, it's like you just know that you're hustling and making real moves. And there's a lot of, you know, the instapreneurs and people out here that that have the followers and have the fame and all those things. But there's few that really are as raw as you are that really and provide real, real value, man. Like you just let everybody in, man. So I appreciate all the work that you've done. An honor to to have you on today, man. Guys, if you haven't seen John's full story, you got to go to Leaders Create Leaders and watch the episode. We did a really powerful episode together. But, John, I want to get right to it, bro, because you have uh, – it seems like you have learned a lot over the last year. So mm. I want you to just talk a little bit about right now, what has shifted for you during this, you know, this economic recession, during this health crisis with COVID? Like, what have you learned during this time right now? Man, wow. That's a great – it's a great and powerful way to start. Um, and I think that the, what I've learned is that I've learned over the last decade. Um, and I think, you know, when we're caught up in our process and, you know, day in, day out, 
sometimes it's lost on you just how much you're actually soaking in. And, you know, we place so myself included so much pressure on ourselves to kill it, to crush it, you know, to raise money, to do this, to do that. And um, it's not until, at least for me, at a time like this, when you're forced to take a seat and really observe. And <clears throat> I've, you know, I can say to myself that I feel like I've learned a good amount over the last decade. And, you know, that mm. seems like an obvious statement, but like, man, sometimes it takes a you know, you need the pause to hear the music, right? Mm. So, like, Miles Davis would always say that the music is in the silence. So for, for the musicians that play really fast, and they just don't give you any space, it's impressive, but Miles Davis would play a few notes and pause. Mm. Like I did there, right? And then a few more notes. And so, you know, this is a pause right now. This is a pause, and it's a very weird kind of pause because for the one of the only times I can think of the whole it's a global pause global I mean you know it'd be one thing if it were our country or another country you know what but it's like everyone's in lockstep and so it's just been really um you know my family was affected by COVID my mom and, and father were both hospitalized actually. oh wow yeah uh, it sucked, man. It was, you know, and it happened quite early in the COVID cycle. They've gotten much better, thankfully. Um, and, you know, life resumes as, as normal. But, you know, I know that not everyone is fortunate enough to, you know, they didn't go through it like that. You know, there were different outcomes. So anyway, I'm coming out of, you know, I'm, I'm in, in the thick of it now and um, just feeling really grateful to have learned. I mean, I've learned a lot about business, but here's one thing, man, like, you're going to learn whatever you spend your time in, right? Like I saw Mick in here, you know, Mick is yeah. a high profile DJ. You know, if, you know, he's going to say, if you've asked him, if you ask him like, what, what have you learned over the last decade? You know, DJ is going to be at the top of the list because that's what he does every day. And so like, it's just giving me that piece that like, hey, whatever you do day in, day out, you're going to get better at. And yeah. some, and that relieves some anxiety for me about the, the process because, you just do it day in, day out, you're going to get better. Um, and then I think the last thing I'll say is um, this time allows you to reflect on how um, your decision making was over the past few years. And it's funny because I found my um, I found my life and economic situation mirror my temperament. I'm very aggressive. I move very quickly. You know, I'm overly optimistic. You know, and like, this just how I roll. Like, I'm just going to be that way forever. But then now that, you know, the overstimulus in the market isn't there to disguise, you know, um, missteps, it's clear to me, you know, where I went wrong and where I went right. So in this time when it's like a low tide, right, when the water pulls back, you'll see everything that's on the shore. So um, it's just been fascinating, man. Been really fascinating to just like learn a little bit more about myself, about how I've conducted my businesses um, and, you know, just good reflection time for on a go forward. Thank you for sharing, brother. Um, what I'm hearing is like, it's real wisdom. Uh, just, just the fact of even just talking about guys, like what he's mentioning in the sense of like, po like having poise, know really like slowing down and this has created this like pause around the entire globe and it's such a beautiful time of reflection and like sitting and really just like honing in on where you want to focus um 
and like wherever it is that you you're passionate about focusing if you just really hone in on that and spend you know every day focusing in on what that skill is what that niche is every day you will progress um, but also like it just sounds to me like it's pure wisdom what i love man is like you know you know i've been really going all in on spirituality over the last three years i mean i grew up obviously religious but it was a difference with like the, being growing up being religious Yep. versus like my spirituality and it's it, i feel like it's all prepped me for this covid moment where like even me i've started to like analyze what are those shadows because they're like like you john i think one of the things that me and you mirror for each other is like we're both these promoter types mm -hmm. and with promoter types <laughs> it's what i realized bro because this just happened to me and i had an incident that happened within my business where i was like okay i had to self-reflect with myself and say to myself like all right, how do I take radical responsibility right now and ownership for what I've done and what my mistakes are and where can I learn from this and grow? And that's what mm -hmm. great leaders have the poise and the mm -hmm. wisdom and the experience to do. And mm -hmm. this happened with me recently with one of my clients and they sent me a letter and I was like, all right. And what I realized was like through reading this letter about missing their expectations in one area, I was like, okay, what I realized is like there's these archetypes and I'm a promoter. And what happens with promoters is like, like you, we're these big visionaries. We have charisma. Like we can, yeah. we can sell some shit. We can sell a vision. You know, we're yeah, great yeah, yeah, at yeah. like leading teams and bringing people together and inspiring others and all these great things, right? But then there's also this other cyber, probably what I heard from you saying, it's like we can overly get excited sometimes yeah. and be quick starts and not think about, okay, really did I think this through for the next, not just 10 minutes, but 10 months or 10 years. Exactly. And um, knowing exactly. how to like really slow down those decisions on when to bring up those visions or when to make those moves. Exactly. So it sounds like, you know, you had a yep. similar situation that to learn a lot of that, man, it's, and it's cool. Cause like that just for me shows like we're growing, bro. We're growing. Yep. Yeah. And, and man, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's such a nuance that people don't often discuss. Like, around these archetypes, like, you know, it's so interesting in the social media world, you know, and obviously you do a lot of work with folks helping them build their personal brand. Well, at some point in your journey of building your brand, especially when it's a personal brand, um, you know, you become a caricature of yourself in a way where, you know, you're you, but you know, you're Gerard Adams, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, you're Gerard, I'm John Henry, you know, Gary's Gary V, you know, and so like we build these personas and, you know, it takes, it for me, it's taking careful inquiry into like, okay, where does the, you know, where does the caricature end and I begin or vice versa? And, you know, it's, it's, it's deeply fascinating kind of like, white space that I think is specific and particular to like our generation and specifically like people who do what we do. Yeah. So I'm glad we're both taking the time to like stop and think that through because, yeah. you know, that's where the growth comes from, I think. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's like that identity and it's, and it's just, and it's important because when we get, we get, you know, this all just happened. Like people forget, you know, personal brands, it's been around forever, right? Steve Jobs, Jesus Christ, biggest personal brand ever. Yeah. But like the, the, acceleration because of social media over these last 10 years when youtube came into existence when the instagram came into existence it almost was like we rushed to brand and document and a lot of our own as millennials we're still discovering who the fuck we even are yeah right like we're still figuring out who we are what matters to us you know yep. what where we want right you've shifted like me we were startup entrepreneurs i mean 
for fucking over 10 years, I was building tech startups and all that stuff. And it's like, <laughs> boom, you're realizing, damn, yo, I put a lot of work there. But if I just put a little bit more focus on creating yeah. some real assets and going from an operator to an owner. Yep. Exactly. Man, what would the next 10 years look like for me mm. and the legacy that I live? Good catch. Right? That's exactly that so, shift that occurred. Yep. So then all of a sudden it's like, oh, snap, I just built this persona that's all startup entrepreneur based. Yes, I'm still that guy. Yes, that's a part of me, but that's not who I am. I'm this, you know, multidimensional human being that's growing and is going to continue to like learn new skills and try new things. And and um, and I've been seeing you do that, bro. And I honor you, man. It's Thank really, you, man. really powerful, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it, it took, you know, it's interesting because I was already in business for years. You know, at, at first I thought being in business was kind of like the first, you know, holy grail, so to speak. Um, but then you realize, you know, to your point, you know, I discovered the power of assets. And the reason I just care so much about it, you know, like, I think people prescribe this very black and white shrewdness to business, let's say. Um, but I don't know, for me, man, like, obviously, you and I both see it as a vehicle for change. And going through my experience with my first and second business, where I built them up both. And then I realized, like, man, unless I'm there running the business, look, unless you take it to a liquidity event and sell the business, then you get a little bit of cash, which I was fortunate to do once. But then then on my second go around, you know, it was a non for profit. And I realized like there was going to be no liquidity event. And, you know, you went through something similar with founders. Yep. Yeah. And so like, I just started thinking like, damn, every time, like I start to yeah. think I've got to like build all the way to the end. It's like, you start mapping that out and you're like, all right, well, there's gotta be, you know, what's up, Trav, Trav Weeks is in here, driven society. Um, there's gotta be a way that you can work this out. And then, you start looking historically to some communities that like I admire very much, like the Jewish community, um, yeah. you know, Italians went through this in the early 19th century, um, you know, Syrians, um, you know, the certain communities have done well about banding the family together, the village together, and creating a foundation of assets that stands the whole community up. Right. And, you know, that's kind of like the way that I've been on over the last few years. And I'm just scratching the surface. But, man, I've been I've really been in the trenches, man. <laughs> I've really been in there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and what's cool is like you have I think when we talk leadership, right, like great leadership comes from character and character is literally only built through grit. Right. It doesn't come when things are easy. It comes when things are tough. And the thing that I you know always admire about you is like you love the grit because you're used to it, right? It's, yep. it's easy when you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth and you have, and you grow up when you have everything kind of handed to you. God bless them. I want my right. kids to grow up and have wealth. Same. But there's a unique thing that's like this underdog effect that most people don't realize until later in their life where like you have the natural character and resilience in you. It's almost like the tough skin that you've built over time to have that grit for you to get back into the weeds, learning that, okay, this is what these communities have done over time to create real wealth, and then yep. get in the trenches. Say to yourself, all right, I got to learn this new skill. I got to learn this yep. new industry. And if I'm going to learn, I'm going to go and I'm going to freaking go and start to freaking ply that wood and dig yep. those holes and learn yep. from the ground up and not look for the easy way out, not look for the easy way to do it, but like go and get in the weeds. And you're doing that, bro. 
and talk to me a little bit about what that experience has been like for you, me being a Latino as well. And, you know, I've been looking at this as one of the greatest opportunities in American and really human history to create wealth, to come out of this, right? I made a lot of wealth after the last economic recession, but this COVID one, I feel is going to really be one of the biggest and what a great opportunity in the beginning of a new decade. And for the Latin community, especially the minority community, what would you say to them? And what have you learned most recently in stepping into this new career path to yeah. create wealth? No, I think it's a great question. And, you know, to your point about like, you know, I do have a natural like love for, you know, doing like work that doesn't scale, just like grit work. And I actually came to a head, man, because, um, you know, over the last number of years, I, you know, started and built Harlem Capital. And we raised, you know, so much money, so much more money than we thought that we would. Um, And, you know, it was historic for diverse, diversity focused funds. But then I found myself at a crossroads where like, I always, you know, this is just like a moment of vulnerability, right? But I always felt like an outsider in that world, because most of the people in that world, even just race aside, like even if you take the small uh, sector of, of color investors, you know, like a lot of them come from either affluent backgrounds and or if not that, then they broke in usually through education, higher education, Harvard, Yale. And so there's like a lot of like old world type of you know, way to roll, you know, you're very, it's very buttoned up, you're gonna have the tie, you know, you don't curse, you know, you certainly don't promote like what we do is like a sin in the finance world. And, you know, and so I found myself repeatedly feeling very much like an outsider. And so I, I, because I love the dirt, I love the grind. And like, that's just where I feel most at home. And so I, I had this moment where I had to realize, like, I came to a fork in the road, I could no longer I was playing both sides. And Harlem Capital grew to such a point where we were infecting so many people, raised real money from real endowments. We raised money from the state of Michigan. Like we're talking state endowments, pensions, Memorial Sloan Kettering. Like these are real, real LPs that we're writing uh, mid-figure million dollar checks um, at a time. And so there just came a time when I had to decide if I was going to be that or not. Wow. Wow. Like a real decision that you had to make at one point. It was a fork in the road. Like, am I going to say, you know what, I can put the social media stuff to the side. Let me button up. Let me play my part, do what I got to do. And by the way, there is almost no path that um, has as high probability of becoming wealthy, like being a fund manager, because you collect fees and then you generate profits from the money. And so, you know, I was seeing a very clear path to getting pretty rich right like i want i want like 50 to 100 maybe 250 m's yeah and i'm seeing a path for that like logically but then there was also the like intuitive side oh as well. my gosh and that killed me that i was every day i was like fuck like i spent half a decade building this and now like i love that i have the experience of having built it and i know how to do it and i could probably do it again with the right team but like it just wasn't where my path was like I don't know Mm. why even though that ship was up and running I was still you know in the fucking buildings like like you know fucking jackhammering a courtyard like you know and and so ultimately I made the very scary decision of like let me follow what I think feels right even though mathematically and on paper it might be the wrong decision so that's something that I wrestled very much with man for some time because I I gave up what could have been 
what was likely going to be, you know, you know, M's on M's on M's, you know, I still have my equity in the first fund, but you really make the money from subsequent funds, fund two, fund three, fund four. Um, so yeah, man, so I just I wanted to preface that because I, I feel like that's, you know, it's an honest moment for people watching <clears throat> whom, you know, they might have a path in front of them where they know they're going to make more money. But, you know, they might just be drawn to something that, you know, on paper just don't make any damn sense. But like, they just fucking love to do it. And so I, I said to myself, you know what, if I'm going to stack 50, 100, 250 M's, you know, I don't, I'm not going to tolerate any censorship on Twitter. You know, I'm not going to have to wear a tie if I don't want, like, it's going to be being exactly like how I want to roll. And this is how I want to roll, you know, so I'm just doing it now. Um, so God is setting you up for something bigger, bro. And what's interesting about that statement is like, I really believe that, right? Like you ever see that meme? It's like, God, it's like, nah, bigger. And it's like, right, right. math, again, you're like here, like, damn, it's like right there. This is, you know, but and this is another thing that I'm going to bring up towards, towards this statement and what he just said is like, I'm reading, <laughs> I'm reading a book right now, John, it's called The Road to Character. And in the book, it talks about a lot of different stories. And one of the stories that I had just read about um, over the last day was the story of, do you ever hear of the story of Viktor Frankl, similar to Anne Frank, yes. who's a Holocaust survivor? Yes. And he talks about what he went through during that Holocaust and how he's laying railroad tracks. And he's like, this is crazy. Like, I never thought this is what my life was going to be. But he had this internal thing where although all this terrible evil was ha happening around him, he said to himself, in life, sometimes life has this bigger plan for you that you don't even necessarily see or understand. But like life needs you to play a specific role. Like you're here for maybe 100 150 years, depending on what happens with, with who knows what, right? right, right. Just say 100 years if we're lucky. You know, in the scheme of like a billions of years of this of Earth and what's happening with humans, you played your part, right? Like, although it may not make logically, like you played an extremely vital, memorable, being a memorable leader, legacy, talk legacy, legendary part in doing what you, that what you did with Harlem Capital and that venture fund that's going to make what you wanted, which is going to make so much impact, impact that you might not even probably be able to totally quantify. And that's what your part was, what life, what God had for you there. But now there's another part. And bro, what's really beautiful and powerful is that you had the, this, the courage and the experience to listen to that instinct, listen to that intuition and, and do the hard thing, the uncomfortable, the uncertain thing of like, going back to the jackhammer and going back and doing what you, you know, what you love. So, bro, I just, I commend you on that. And you, uh, it's not easy to do that. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it was tough, man. Um, but you know, the, the plus side is like, you know, I got to, this is a property that, you know, we, you know, bought, I bought, oh, bro, when we bought this, like this thing was just a gaping hole. There's nothing wow. here. You know, like this morning I repotted all these flowers with my mom. Wow, which is so special, you know. There's some there's families living in here, and um, you know it. The place became not it's not even mine anymore in a way. You know, <laughs> it is, uh, cap table, but like it just becomes part of know, the fa other families now. Yeah, just be and like it gets to, it becomes where someone else hosts memories, and so yeah, I guess to your point around like, this is a um, this is a a great time to build wealth i i agree man i agree and i'll just preface with this it's hard to look at this as a like a purely economic play because there's so much suffering 
So I'm, um, you know, first and foremost, just very mindful, especially because like, I, I, you know, I had been affected. So I know it's a real thing and 100,000 gone. And I'm looking at the leadership. I don't mean to make it political, but just, yep, like, yep, yep. I don't see the type of leadership that makes me feel dignified and like, you know, whatever. I agree. So I'm just feeling like, okay, man, all right. You know, let's like, I'm feeling like really energized to mobilize, man. Like the work that you and I do, G, right now is extra important, extra. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of Ty Lopez. <laughs> I don't mean to write yeah. on time. There's going to be a lot of guys like that springing up and trying to teach courses on real estate and stuff like that. I don't care what it takes. You know, I really want people to mobilize and, you know, develop because look, at the end of the day, there's a, a number of frontiers where you can make impact, but um, there's also like, there's a hierarchy of those like political I've realized matters a lot because policy, when you change policy. Mm. Like, oh Yeah. So I'm right. just becoming more sensitive to policy being a frontier where there's change, you can affect change. But then there's also economic change, right? Because when you yeah. have a strong economic base, and by the way, it's not enough for one person to get rich. Like you need a community of people to develop, you know, to be upwardly mobile and lift their median net worth. Why? Because then they have real representation in their communities. And I yeah. realized, right, because of where the places where I buy, that the more affluent neighborhoods pay attention they have more stop signs on the on the roads they have more stop signs i realized that i was like huh why because they're concerned about speeding and their kids getting hit so what do they do they rally in, in local community and they put stop signs you know their roads are paved you know and like wow. there there's there's less uh on average there's eight times less liquor stores and you know that in more affluent neighborhoods than poor neighborhoods and so all that stuff even just like these design wow that's so interesting because i remember when we were doing the social impact work um for a uh, little over two years in newark building out the community there um in norfolk and sussex shout out to everybody from jersey you know one of the things that we were doing we were activating in the community we were, we were planting trees we were you know going and serving students but i remember at one point we did we were going and just cleaning up garbage from the street and i couldn't believe that there were no garbage cans on the streets there was like no garbage cans so i'm like how do we expect our community to help keep this clean when the kids can't even there isn't even a garbage can anywhere so right. i tried to rally up i went to the mayor i went to the community and everything but we didn't have enough power. And what happened was, it was like, oh, you know, in order to, you can put the garbage cans, we can raise the money. I was like, I'll pay for the garbage cans on all the streets, personally. Right. Like, yeah, but then you have to have the garbage trucks to reroute to pick up the garbage. And there was so much bureaucracy. And, and I was like, man, I can't believe this is so difficult just to add garbage cans to help this community keep the streets clean. So what mm. you're saying, man, I'm like, wow, it all comes together for me. It's really powerful yeah. to talk no, about that. That's a very powerful point because it all there's a dom, you know, there's domino effects and and who's going to want to, you know, it's it's easier to you'll want to keep your community clean if you find it clean, A, but then B, if there's, you know, <clears throat> ways to keep it clean, like you're saying with the garbage can. So all these things all tie in and then it just lowers. Someone's talking about vibration. It just lowers the, the median vibration. And so right. now we're getting into societal and systemic things and. You know, I haven't began to, uh, you know, uncover the depths of all that. But what I do know is that, you know, folks like you and I, we're in position to at least start affecting change. 
And so, you know, now to take it all the way into, okay, well, what's this economic opportunity? Well, you know, who knows, you know, how industries are going to be affected. Um, but what I do know is that, you know, income generating, income generating real estate stands the test of time. And, um, right, you know, there's going to be a lot of investors that were overzealous in the amount of money that they paid for property. Um, and they're going to be hurt coming out of this. And so, you know, <clears throat> it's just it's time to get in position, which means that you have to yes. have the basics in place in order for you to, to be able to acquire. So, um, yeah, we can get into some of the. I would like to. Yeah. 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 I would um, love to do that. Let's 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 do some education here. Let's go into a little bit of the nitty gritty. Um, you know, this is something that, you know, I'm still a student of the game. I'm looking to you know, be in position, um, even just in places like where I'm at now in Sedona, I went to some different houses. I'm getting a feel for the market Great. primarily because now global travel is going down. People are going to be looking for places like this that I feel are these areas where they can drive to with their families. Um, yep. they're closer to nature. So like, talk to me a little bit, like just, I'm, I'm going to let you kind of run here. What are some of the basics that you should look for? to start getting into position, regardless of where you're at on that hierarchy of, of, you know, yep. of wealth in your life. Yep. I love it. Um, so a couple of things that I've learned here. <clears throat> One, you should follow the deal. You shouldn't buy necessarily based on the budget. You should buy based on the deal. And I think that that confuses folks at first because your natural inclination will be, okay, well, I'm going to buy what I can, you know, afford with the cash that I have on hand now. But then, you know, if you're like me, when you started, you know, you didn't have much cash on hand. So then that leads you to kind of smaller deals, which inherently have less value because anything four units or less is considered residential. And the way that the reason that's important is because the way you value residential real estate is based on um, what other houses in the neighborhood sold for. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, OK, you bought a house. Well, it depends. Susie's house on the block and Joe's house on the block, the value of their home kind of affects your home, right? And so that's what happened with the housing crisis where like everyone's uh, asset is tied to one another. So when the value goes down, kind of they all come down when the median value comes down. The reason I really like multifamily apartments and <laughs> because anything five plus units is considered commercial, meaning it's being used for commercial gain, which means Anyone buying a 12 plex, a 20 plex is not buying in it to live in it like a house. They're buying it because of the income that it generates. And now here's a really important thing. The valuation method, the way you value income properties is based on the net operating income. In other words, how much cash flow it produces. And I don't know about you guys, but we can't control the housing market. You can't control right. what Susie's house down the block sells. And by the way, there's a lot of people that make good money doing that because they they know they have a good eye for aesthetics and they know how to make a home, you know, ideal for like a Susie, you know, like a first time home buyer. From you know? family. Yeah. Correct. And th that's not really my skill set. Where where I the reason I like commercial is because if the valuation is gonna be based on the income, then that's a figure that I have completely within my control. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that once I realized like, okay, I'm going to go commercial. Then next step, I found it, you know, I found a property. I went on loopnets.com and you can look for deals. And the next thing you'll be confronted with is you're not going to know what's a good deal. What's a bad deal. 
You know, people will ask me all the time, well, what's, you know, what's a good deal? What's, well, until you crunch a hundred deals, you can go and wow. download a deal analysis template, which is what I did when I was teaching myself this stuff. And I would take the first deal that I found and pop in the numbers. This is the purchase price. This is the cash flow that the listing says. And then it would shoot a return out. But if you only have one data point, it's not enough for you to learn, right? It's like Facebook, the algorithm gets smarter with more volume. Right. And so you, your mind is a model and your model gets smarter with more data. So I crunched the next deal and the next deal. And then I realized like, oh, okay, after I crunched a hundred, this is on the low end, that's on the high end. Wow. I didn't realize that higher return deals, people chase those, but then you don't realize that they're, they're usually high return for a reason. That's because like, there's a lot of shit that you got to take on. <laughs> so, so you, you go and you do that homework and then ultimately you get to the point where you say, okay, this is going to be the deal. You might not have enough cash to buy it. Maybe you do. If you do, that's great. If you don't, like I didn't, you have to go and raise cash, which means that, you know, you got to go and convince people, Hey, I, and I did it 10, 20, 25 K at a time. Hey, let me get 20 K. Let me get 25 K. Let me get, you know, and then you enter that new phase, which is like, Oh snap. Um, you really got to know everything about the property. Cause you're going to get asked everything about the property. And then, you know, ultimately, once you're able to bring on that capital and, and you have the bank give you the loan, which, by the way, now here's a really interesting thing. Banks care more about the asset than you, the individual, when you get to the commercial level. Interesting. I, oh, I that's, that, that, could be a, that could be a good thing. That's a great thing. Yeah. Right? Because I was sitting there thinking like, damn, why is a bank going to loan me like a few million dollars? This is my first right. time doing this. And then I realized that they because it's commercial and it's based on the income of the property, they're yeah, only looking at risk. me secondarily. They're looking at how good is the deal. And then I realized like, oh shit. And then the investors, they care about your operating jobs, but they also care about the deal. And so then I realized like everything comes, like all the value is really the deal. So if you find a good deal, you will be able to tie it up. Mm -hmm. um, so, so anyway, look, I know I covered a lot there and, you know, that you can unpack that over the course of honestly a lifetime. But what I will say is whether you get into that game or whether you get into houses or whatever, guys, remember this, you can't win the game of monopoly without at least having houses, right? Like it doesn't matter if you have a, the most cash in monopoly. If you don't have anyone land on your, on your squares and pay you rent, you don't win the game. And so I realized like life is kind of a similar way where you're not necessarily trying to win, but you're trying to develop comforts. You're trying to raise your family's vibration. You're trying yeah. to afford a good life for your kids and having a stockpile of cash, believe it or not, doesn't get you there. What gets you there is having stock that people land on that pays you that you can grow your family. So that's kind of like the crash course on that, man. Um, and, you know, I know it got like, it's in the weeds some, um, but I do the best I can to explain it in a way that gets people to be like, oh yeah, but also without trying to cop out on like some of the, um, you know, the, some of the tactical stuff. I love it, bro. So much that we can go deeper on. We'll have to, we'll have to talk more about that and see how we can continue to serve and this and continue to learn from you, bro. And can't wait to see you. Um, you know, it's interesting because what you're talking about, and it's something that I think we all think about, especially us millennials, right, is like financial freedom. 
And it does, it's not easy to create, but when I think about, when I met with one of my fund managers and he asked me, he's like, Gerard, what's like, what's like the ultimate goal, right? And I was like, well, financial freedom in a sense, right? With my money right. that I've saved up. And he's like, well, what does that mean? And, then, and we got into this definition of, guys, I want you to comment. What is your definition of financial freedom? What is, I'm going to call the first, I'm going to, I'm going to read the, I'll read like the first one or two, but what is your definition of financial freedom? And then we'll take some questions, John, if you're down, um, yeah, we'll take two, two or three. That's a great question. Yeah. And then John, Yo, I'm what is, let me ask you, what is, what is your definition of financial freedom? Sure. So, you know, for me, it's based on when you have invested your capital in income generating assets that are providing you cash flow that actually without you having to do any more work you have these assets that are producing you enough free cash flow positive cash flow that it pays all of your bills and your family's bills without you having to work that'd be nice man you know you know that's financial (laughs) freedom right so but there's not many things and assets that can do that are really able to do that and that's right. why I think real estate is, is obviously so attractive. And, you know, for me, I do believe in diversity. Right now, I'm, I've, I've always been, since I started my career in stocks. So I have some, I've been making some moves in the stock market right now. Right, I right. Always, you know, make, doing well there. Um, startups, I'm like so iffy with. But I know yeah. that there's, there for me, as you know, I'm really big in psychedelic movement. And there's a second, similar to the cannabis movement, it creates a lot of healing. And there's a lot of opportunity that in capital, that's going to be moved to these conscious companies a lot of conscious capitalism that's happening and i think there's a lot of a lot of growth opportunity for startups um i think e e education you know why i've branded myself for the last five years like i like to turn gerard adams into an asset um leaders create leaders into an asset through my brand that i can one create change and impact and leave that behind for my kids and watch the videos and watch these things that we're doing right now and inspire others because i measure but i also measure my success and how i can inspire and create success in others and you can turn that into an income generating asset, which I'm doing with LCL. Real nice. estate is the, believe it or not, it's like the number one. When you think about wealth in the world, real estate is like at the top of that list. You know, believe it or not, art is too, which is really interesting because I love art. That's, that's true. That's, that's true. It's like when you look at a lot of like uh, wealthy people's net worth, uh, 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 higher than I would normally think percentage like comes from art and it just gets me to scratch my head. And I actually yeah. think of you because I know you've been on that way for a while. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, man, I, I love it, bro. And there's so much leverage there and I can't wait to jam with you more about this. It's something where I want to invest more of my money. Let's see what we got here though. Let's take some questions, guys. That's my definition. Um, let's see. What, I see what King Victoria, I like what you said, Victoria, you said money working for me rather than me working for money. I love that. That is financial freedom. Great, great definition. Great response. You got, yep. you know, uh, the X here says enough money to work on my own terms, to pay, to work on things that make me happy and pay all my bills. I love how you included happiness um, as part of it. As you heard, John, you know, he, he really does. You know, it sounded like, bro, like you did the thing that as much as it's like the hard work, you get joy. It sounds like you have joy. And I think that's really important. You know, the fact that, you know, create, you know, investing your money into things that also logically make sense and will create wealth for you. But I love the fact that John is talking about how he's changing families' lives. It's not even, even, yes, from a cap standpoint, he has equity in these homes, but he's seeing the impact it's creating in that community. And again, raising yep. that vibration. And I think that's so, so beautiful. 
So money while you sleep, Bryce said. I like that, bro. I like that. Yeah, man. Absolutely, man. Money while you sleep. What's an amount to start with to invest more into real estate? So what did you start with, John? I started with 25 grand. Um, and I raised another like 175 to, to close, to put round up 200 grand. The bank loaned me 500 okay. grand for that first deal. So we bought a $700,000 building. And it's funny because I, you know, I had that, I had a good percentage of that in cash. Um, and so I could have just done it myself, but I yeah. actually, it's a, in alignment with my vision to, uh, you know, you want to make other people money too, man. You want to make other people. So like, you not know, just that, but like people don't talk about the, like the, the leverage, like they don't teach us that credit growing up, like credit and leveraging these banks. You know what I mean? Like, Exactly. They're leveraging our money regardless. Like I got all my money saved to put in the bank. They're, I don't, they don't even have my money. They're lending my money out to other people exactly. making money on my money. So why not us? Why not our community learn the system? Exactly. So like, you know, when you go to the bank, yeah, you know, you like that comfort of like withdrawing the cash, you know, that's why they don't invest in super risky stuff. But yeah, hundred percent, they don't sit on that cash. They invest it, which means when you let your money sit in the bank, you're really just saying, Hey, I don't have the confidence to invest my own money. I want someone else to invest it on my behalf, which if that's you, great. But um, so listen, you can start with a pretty low amount of cash. But look, if you're going to be the brokest partner in the deal, you got to be the smartest partner in the deal, right? Like you can't be broke and then know the least. <laughs> that's not going to fly. You got to know. So like people ask me all the time, hey, because it's tempting to get caught up on the money piece. But before money, you got to have your chops and then you'll see deal like chops you'll be able to find deals and then deals attract the money so um so that's my answer to that question cool where do you see the commercial real estate industry heading with the change in work culture Ooh, that's a great question man uh who knows what happens to we work um yeah adam newman made out with 1.7 billion dollars in cash i think he's all right but like he's everyone good else <laughs> you know who knows <laughs> I, look guys I, you know i think that right now we're seeing that geography is not as important maybe as we thought and look there's always going to be value to be in the big cities but here's one thing i do assure you is that a lot of people looked at their over leveraged personal situations and realizing that they don't need to be paying 75 percent of their income in rent so that they live in a cool spot so they can impress their friends i guarantee you that's changing and you're going to see a lot of net migration of people moving to communities on the outskirts of big cities that's where I buy. I buy in, you know, bigger towns and small cities outside the, you know, the big cities that we all know, like New York City and Miami and stuff. And I think that that's going to get a big pop. So if you're looking to get yeah. into this, look for those small towns outside big markets. I agree. I agree. What's the best resource? We'll just pop through these. John, what's the best resource to learn for real estate development in your opinion? Um, other, than do, other than doing it, right? Experience. Other than doing it. <laughs> uh, walk, walk a lot of real estate. Just pretend yeah. like you got money, like you're going to go buy and walk a lot of property and you'll start getting, you'll start getting it. What's the, well, you do more commercial. What's the smallest unit size that you prefer when buying residential? Um, you know, the bigger, the better for me, but Hey, look, I'm, I have a house under contract right now because my family's kind of scared to get into big deals. So I'm using this as a, as a starter kit tool to get my whole family involved end to end. So you can make money on a house. You can make money on a big deal. You know, just look for something where you have an edge.
Got it. What's the <laughs> definition of a cap rate? <laughs> I think that's what the title is. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Great. That's good. That's good. That's good, man. That's good. Oh, man. That's cool. Um, is it a good idea to think of a business in a global scale before starting local? Uh, uh, it depends. I think on it the depends business. on the business, right? Yeah, it depends on the business. Like, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna start real estate, obviously not. You can't be global. But right. some businesses are just like inherently global, like you know, probably your business. Yeah, yeah. We got. We do have another question here from Technary. We've been talking about a, a, a cap rate. Is that relative to real estate as well, John? What uh, the cap? What's it? What was that? Yeah. We, well, right above Tech uh, Technicary. Oh. Well, uh, let's say, what, what's the definition yeah. of cap rate? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, well, so the for those that are actually. Yeah, yeah. So I could break down the cap rate a little bit, you know, because such a basic term. Um, so the cap rate is the the net operating income over the purchase price. But it's just fancy talk for saying like, hey, if I buy a deal all cash, what's my return? Yeah. Now, you almost never buy a deal all cash. But the reason that you think that way is because the financing piece, the debt that you get, can vary so much from individual to individual. So it can taint the performance of the property. So you usually wanna underwrite a deal to start just based on the cap rate. So you have an understanding of how well that property performs. And just to break that down a little bit more, cause that's just the number, but here's, a, the, here's what information it should transmit to you as an investor. The lower the cap rate, meaning the lower the return, typically the more stable the property is, right? Because a low cap rate means if, since you're getting a low return, that means you're paying more for the property. So low cap rates usually indicate higher purchase price. And so when you see low caps, like in New York, you get a three cap, which is the, the equivalent of what a bond, a U.S. bond pays you. So that's right. the stablest it's ever going to get. Right. And so when you see like cap rates at like 14%, you know, it's in the hood, you know, it's got a lot of shit wrong with it. Like, you know, and that's okay. Like investors like myself, we learn how to deal with that hair on that deal, but the cap rate will indicate to you how much risk is involved in that property. And just the last thing I'll say there is when you're starting out, it's okay to pursue higher cap rates because Hey, high risk, high reward. You're starting right. out, you want to build your money up. But as you get rich, like if I had $100 million invested in real estate, I'm not going to go for a 10 cap. And, you know, I'm going to go for something really stable because 3% of $100 million is $3 million a year in income. And that's, you know, perfectly good if you ask me. So, so cap rate indicates risk. It's got so much information in that cap rate, how much risk, how priced the property is and so on. So, John, what are like, what are three things to avoid mistakes that you made when you came into real, real estate development that now you would you know mention to people to like really avoid like these are the three mistakes that you made or you see that are common that are out there that people make when they get ready to start investing into real estate it's a great question i think first is man i grow-mated um the cost of repairs because I'm just so optimistic. I walked into a building. I knew it was beautiful. It is beautiful. I doubled the value of it. But, but at first I was like, oh, yeah, it's just cosmetic, paints and floors. You know, and like I didn't know. And there's no way to know, to be fair, until you've gone through it a number of times. But I didn't know to look for the right things. So to the extent that you can, please walk property with someone who's got a trained eye. 
You know, I didn't see the windows needed insulation. I didn't see the floor joists were bad in some spots. And, you know, I didn't know about water boilers, about roofs, about stuff like that. So the, the number one, number two, and number three of, for the three tips is learn to estimate costs because you'll find sometimes people are scared of a deal when they shouldn't be because it just looks bad. No worries. You can fix that up, you know. So you might be able to spot yeah. hidden value if you get good at spotting costs. On the flip side, sometimes a deal looks decent because it looks pretty, but some of the more expensive fixes like the plumbing and the electrical is, is all messed up. So learning to look for the most expensive things first is key. The most expensive things is electrical, plumbing, structural, and the roof. Like anything else is not that expensive to fix, I promise. Mm. Paint is cheap, floors are cheap, everything else is cheap. But those three or four things will make or break the deal for you. Did you think about it when you were thinking about making these repairs and getting involved and now you're developing and you're in it, like building a team, just like you were in the startup industry. It's like, how do I find the right team that's reliable? And how did you onboard that team and say to yourself, okay, this is the team that I know I can rely on. That's going to give me the best price, the best quality. And I'm going to use for all of my development projects. And then how did you think about that and go about that? Yeah. So that's one thing I didn't do that I would mm. do. Like now I have my team. So I got my people. But if I would have done what you said, I think I could have saved myself a lot of headache. Um, so because I wasn't thinking about it in that way, right? Like when you yeah. come from startup world, like, yeah, you, you know, you think in terms of teams and executing. Yeah. And like, I know that as well as anyone. And then I, for some reason, like I switched lanes and I forgot to take the same basic principles along with me. So definitely, definitely take care to build a team as best you can in the early stages. Cool. So uh, we'll take a couple more here. Let's see. Let's switch it up for a quick second because you've been in the personal brand game for a little bit. But if you were creating a personal brand or improving a personal brand during this time, what would you focus on, focus on the most right now? And yeah, I mean, like just, just how do you even think about personal branding now, now yeah. that you've gone, gone through this whole, this whole journey? Yeah, that's, uh, that's my boy, Kenny Soto. Kenny Soto's a talented kid, man. Uh, CUNY has some chops in with the Gary team. Moved to China, nice. came back, very uh, eclectic kid. Um, man. Thanks for asking, Kenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love personal brand. Um, and right now, I think is a really, really great time to get one off the ground. Um, just, you know, get one. And if you have one off the ground, then this is the time where you really nurture and go deep. And anything that, you know, applied in 2019 applies now times 10. So, you know, it's just, yeah. you have a completely captive nation, you know, everyone's at home consuming on their screens all day. And so, you know, if you're going to be in the personal brand game, you realize like, Hey, the more I share and, and offer context around my situation, the more people develop color about your life, a little bit more trust, you know, like I put out these like, you know, consulting sessions, and, you know, I sold out within a couple hours. If you don't have a personal brand, you're not going to be able to do that because yeah. you have to push uphill and introduce yourself. And, you know, you and I, Gerard, can walk into certain rooms and we don't, we don't, there's no, no introduction required, mm. right? Because we've invested in setting that yeah. content. So all to personal brand is for me is like walking into a room and having people know exactly what I'm about already. So we can skip the small talk. 
and we can just get straight yeah. to like, hey, this is what I care about. And, you know, they'll know I care about it. I know they care about it. And you can get right to building more meaningful connections because the content sets that context up front. I love that. I love that. Naveel, if you're asking, if you're thinking about, if you're talking about the real estate thing, then it went through. Um, I have a video on it. We did a $400 million deal uh, in wow. New York, which, yeah, like, but, um, so that deal closed for me, but it's like really interesting because the partners that are, that have developed the commercial, the, the, uh, the buildings, the condos in New York, they're in trouble right now. You know, New York is, uh, is an interesting situation in regards to real estate. It's going to be really interesting to kind of see how this plays out over the next five, 10 years where you, you know, people are going to be selling. Can you pick up some stuff? And are you thinking, what are you thinking about New York? You're from New York. You're from Harlem. People yeah. are like scramming from there, getting out of there. commercial. When they talked about working and, and those commercial real estate and businesses, they're kind of starting to realize now I don't have to be paying these high rates. So are you thinking about, you've been in Philly, you've been making moves over there or PA, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now, are you thinking about, are you keeping your eye on New York right now in that market and from a real estate perspective, John? No, to buy? No, I'm not. Um, okay. I think, I think people are going to realize, like, I love New York, man. You know, you know how it is. I love the energy. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it's my favorite city in the world. But I just don't think people want to be cooped up in small apartments anymore and overpaying. So I'm not going to be looking at New York for the time being. Now, just because I'm not cool. doesn't mean that there's no opportunity there. You know, right. there's always opportunity, but I'm not going to be looking Cool. Well, John, bro, listen, I, I want you to just, if you can, first and foremost, before we hop off, bro, I honor you. You know, you've you, become, you become a, a dear friend of mine, man. Um, I've loved celebrating you. I will always celebrate you. Um, I think we need to celebrate our community more and more. And there's not a lot of Latino leaders that are out here in the millennial generation. I would like to see more of you. If you're watching this, this is your time to start that brand. This is that time to go all in and serving your community and thinking about how you can serve the whole and just start, just start, you know, like me and John, we started just like you at zero. We didn't have anything <laughs> handed to us. We didn't have no rich parents. We didn't have nothing handed to us. You know, we worked and worked and worked and grinded and we got in our, got uncomfortable. You know, we started sharing our voice, sharing our story, even when we felt wasn't good enough. And little That's... by little, you know, it added up, it added up, it compounded. And then that experience started to compound and that wisdom started to compound. And then the relations started to compound. And now, you know, we have the opportunity to create real wealth and impact economically in the world. So I am, uh, again, if you're listening to this, this is your time. Uh, John, I honor you, bro. I love you, man. Thank I you, appreciate man. the Thank work you, that man. you're doing. I'm always going to celebrate you, you and back you. What's, you know, coming from a leader's perspective, you know, my whole branding around leadership. So it's like, from a leader's perspective, what is one last, you know, piece of advice statement that you want to make right now, knowing where we currently are from an economic standpoint right now, coming out of COVID, what would be something that you would just want to leave behind, you know, for someone that's watching this right now? Okay. I love it, man. Uh, hey, love is mutual, man. Love and respect is mutual. And look, my line is what came to heart is exactly what you're talking about is like we came up together, man. And and like, you know, the peer, like the relationship that we have with our peers, I think is so underestimated, man. Like people always look up to the next generation, but I love this network of peers that we have. And so for like people watching now who are going to be the next wave after us, like I would 
encourage you guys to just look around your network and build with your peers because these are going to be the people that you're going to be trust me like you know gerard and i we, we maybe we don't link up in person a whole lot but we see each other a whole lot right mm -hmm. same event same award same this and that and so your peers are going to be the people that you're going to be building with the next 10 20 30 years they don't go away yeah um so you know that's my words of encouragement for the next gen like find comfort in building with your peer base because they're going to be there with you you know they understand what it's like in this moment so take a little bit of emphasis off looking up to us which we appreciate and we're always here for um and we're here to help but just as importantly your peers is, are just as much of a bedrock for you and you're gonna have develop you're gonna develop some of the most beautiful friendships man that last a long time and uh yeah like you know like our friendship and you know we'll be kicking it 10 years 20 years down barbecue road, man. About this, you know all this stuff so it's a beautiful thing man and i really wish people cared about that a little yeah, bit more bro. Absolutely, man. I mean, shit, we still got a long journey to go, bro. I can't wait till we have nice. a family, family one day. And they're, and they're, you know, we can sit back, cigar, you know what I'm saying? Cerveza, <laughs> cerveza you know, relaxing. We got, we got that financial freedom, spiritual freedom, lifestyle freedom, and our family is happy and healthy, man. And I sending prayers and love to your family. Thank you for sharing, brother. I'll talk to you later. I'll shoot you a text. And uh, John, I will send you a folder with it as an asset. Thanks again, bro. I'll talk to you later. Yo, peace. Thanks, guys. Yo, Tribe, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to untangle more wisdom and gain clarity so that you can focus in on leading your movement. If you feel a connection to this audio experience, share it with your friends and please leave us a review. If you share your review and tag Leaders Create Leaders on IG, you'll enter into our weekly giveaway. Always remember, leaders create leaders.